again, this is Tori Kensington talking, and this is the Optimistic Almanac for Monday, September 18th, 2017. High Adventure. It's the anniversary of the premiere of the classic Hanna-Barbera production of Johnny Quest on ABC in prime time on September 18th, 1964. It was canceled after its first season of 26 episodes, not because of poor ratings or critical acclaim or a sponsor dislike or any of the other myriad reasons that cancel a TV show. It was the most ambitious animation project for television ever to that date. It was simply too hard to do, and it has never been attempted in the same manner ever again. Bill Hanna and Joe Barbera had several animation successes on the air in the early 1960s, a huge syndicated package, then the breakthrough success of the Flintstones in prime time, and also the Jetsons, another hit, but which was canceled after one season due to high production costs. So the idea came forward for a complete departure from what had gone before. In a new adventure series, there would be no more cute animals or fanciful humanoid types of cartoon characters. Now would come realistic artwork in true action-adventure comic book form, in real places on planet Earth, with compelling plot lines and featuring, quote, not only probable but possible science fiction, which was expected to be a reality no more than 10 years hence. And the settings would be real places all across the globe, from the Alps to South America, to the Egyptian desert, to the Arctic and the Antarctic. It was originally intended to be the animation version of the juvenile radio serial Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy. Happily, it was redesigned from the ground up. The comic book legend Doug Wildey was recruited to design the look of the show. After having worked on Cambria Productions' 1962 animated television series Space Angel, Wildey wrote and drew a presentation using such magazines as Popular Science, Popular Mechanics, and Science Digest in devising or fancifully updating such devices as a snow skimmer and hydrofoils. When Bill Hanna and Joe Barbera could not or would not obtain the rights to Jack Armstrong, the studio had Wildey rework the concept. Wildey said he, quote, went home and wrote Johnny Quest that night, which was not that tough. For inspiration, he drew on the Jackie Cooper and Frankie Darrow movies, Milton Caniff's comic strip Terry and the Pirates, and at the behest of Hanna and Barbera, the James Bond movie Dr. No, the first in the series. Fictional characters like Doc Savage and Tom Swiss were also drawn from. Actor Sabu Dasajir inspired the character of Haji. As Wildey had described in 1986, producer Joe Barbera had seen the first film about an English super spy and, quote, wanted to get in stuff like Bond's code number 007. Which we did include, by the way, in the first episode of Johnny Quest. It was called Johnny Quest File 037 or something. We dropped that later. It didn't work. But it was his father's code name, and he worked for the government as a scientist and that kind of thing. 
Bill Hanna and Joe Barbera refused to give Wildey a, quote, created by credit. Wildey said that he and the studio, quote, finally arrived on based on an idea created by, and that was my credit. The primetime animated TV series debuted on ABC at 7.30 p.m. on Friday, September 18th. As comic historian Daniel Herman wrote, Wildey's designs on Johnny Quest gave the cartoon a distinctive look with its heavy blacks of shadow and shading and its Caniff-inspired characters. The look of Johnny Quest was unlike any other cartoon television show at the time, with its colorful backgrounds and its focus on characters with their jetpacks, hydrofoils, and lasers. Wildey would work on other animation projects, but it was with his work on Johnny Quest that he reached his widest audience, bringing a comic book sense of design and style to animated television cartoons. Because the stable of Hanna-Barbera artists and animators were not selected for their innate talents, but rather speed and conformity to the corporation, animation, remember, is a collaborative process, the demands for the timetable of the show after it was sold was really too great, and there were shortcuts. The low resolution of broadcast television receivers in most households of the time were fairly forgiving, and most viewers saw it in glorious black and white, despite being photographed in color. Color television sets were costly and not in the majority of U.S. homes in 1964. Additional artists were brought in in an attempt to animate the Wildies style. Double shifts were enacted, but it still was not really enough. While the broadcast deadlines were indeed met, reviewing the footage shot in 1964 on today's high-definition systems revealed the inconsistencies in style, technique, and abilities of the staff in many sequences and cells. Doug Wildey would get calls at home in the middle of the night from animators in tears, explaining their woes. However, the result was the beginning of all the action series of animations that came from Hanna-Barbera, such as the Herculoids, Space Ghost, Birdman, and the Galaxy Rangers, and many others. The series went into syndication later and would be aired by all three of the major networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS. However, the one Hanna-Barbera stable member that truly stood out in the series was composer and conductor Hoyt Curtin. It was he who had produced the jazzy, big, brassy sounds for Hanna-Barbera and had composed, arranged, and conducted them for the Flintstones and the Jetsons theme, replete with the brass jazz riffs so modern in 1964. Now he would do Johnny Quest. In a 1999 interview, he stated that the jazz band for the series consisted of four trumpets, six trombones, five woodwind doublers, and a five-man rhythm section. Alvin Stoller, or frankly Cap, usually played the drums. While a string section comes in at moments of tension or pizzicato for comic relief, the score is primarily driven by a big, fat brass sound. Curtin stated that the band took about an hour to record the main theme. It contained a trombone solo performed by jazz veteran Frank Rossellino and a complex riff in which the trombone players were physically unable to keep up with the rapidly changing slide positions needed. Cues in the series were generally recorded in one take, done by a regular group of union session players who could, quote, read like demons. These cues were later recycled for other Hanna-Barbera series, the Herculoids, the Fantastic Four, Birdman, and the Galaxy Trio. 
in 2012, Chris Weber independently produced the quintessential three-hour documentary on the history and the making of Johnny Quest, and it is easily found in three sections on YouTube. If you ever love Saturday morning cartoons, I urge you to go find it and check it out. Let's close today's show with a cut from the master tapes from the sessions recorded at RCA in Hollywood in 1963 with some of the best union session musicians. It's the main extended theme of Johnny Quest, composed and conducted here by Hoyt Curtin. The Optimistic Almanac is made possible each weekday morning by NPC, the national podcasting company, a 501c3 nonprofit, and is funded by our listeners. Thank you. Keep the faith, keep in love, and keep in touch.